Welcome to City Harvest Sermon Podcast. Coming up is a word from Pastor Kong Hee. Today I'm going to look with you from Jeremiah chapter 17. In Jeremiah 17, the Jews were very demoralized. God raised up a prophet by the name of Jeremiah. And he was challenging them to put their faith in God. So let's go to Jeremiah 17 and we're going to start by looking at verse 5. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. Now we find shrubs in deserts. I don't know, have you been to deserts? If you've been to Israel for the Holy Land tour, or you've been to other places, there are shrubs everywhere. And because they have very shallow roots, they are tossed to and fro by every wind that will sweep the desert landscape. Now, shrubs basically hardly have any good uses. In fact, because they... Uh, cannot contain a lot of water. There's water loss. Shrubs are often filled with thorns. So you do not want to be scratched by shrubs. God doesn't like shrubs very much in the Bible. But one thing you realize is God loves trees. God loves trees a lot. In fact, Singapore is known as a garden city and this is a place where there are trees everywhere. So I know God loves Singapore. <laughs> in fact, the Bible likens believers to beautiful trees. For example, one of the most known scriptures is Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of ungodly, or stand in the paths of sinners, or see, uh, sit in the seats of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night, and he shall be like what? Like a tree planted by rivers of water, that brings forth its leaves in the season, uh, bring forth its fruits in the season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Whatever he does shall prosper. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are going to prosper in Christ. <laughs> yeah. God wants us to be like trees planted by the rivers of water. So that no matter how hot or dry the season may be, we will never stop bearing fruit. Now, trees are truly, truly amazing. They are the oldest living organism on this planet. Do you know that? Trees are the oldest living organism on planet Earth. Somebody once said this, if you want to learn strength and patience, then look at trees. If you want to learn strength, how to be strong, how to be patient, how to have the tenacity to persevere, then just look at trees. So let me tell you five reasons why God loves trees. There are five reasons. And so let's continue with Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17 is a tree chapter. So let's look at this. Verse 7, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters. Just like Psalm chapter 1 which spreads out its roots by the river. Reason number one why God loves trees, trees are rooted. Trees 
are rooted. Verse 8 says, the tree spreads out its roots by the river. So the bigger a tree is, the more extensive its root system will be. In fact, the root system should be as extensive, as large as the canopy system, as the branch system. So the more the tree spreads out, the deeper and more spread out and extensive the root or the roots should be. Now, so that no matter how dry or hot the environment may be, the tree will not only survive, it would thrive. Now, God uses trees to tell us exactly how He wants us to live our lives. As believers, we should be rooted. Colossians chapter, one, or chapter 2 verse 7 says, we are rooted and built up in Christ. Matthew 13 talks about being rooted in the Word of God, in the good soil. Ephesians 3 verse 17 says, to be rooted and grounded in love. So we are to be rooted in Christ, rooted in the Word, rooted in love. And the deeper our root system may be, then the stronger we'll be as believers. In fact, a tree never moves from its roots. The harsher the conditions, the deeper it grows. So it's the same for us. The tougher our life will get, then the deeper we must go in Christ. The deeper we must go in the Bible. The deeper we must grow in love for God and for one another. Some of us are self-made men or self-made women. So we are rooted in our own abilities, in our own talents. And sometimes because life has dealt you with a difficult hand and you succeeded, you say, you know what? I don't need anybody. All I need is I, me, and myself. My abilities and my talents. And we are rooted in that. Others have traumatic, bad experiences, so our hearts have roots in pain or in fear. Now, that's no good. You're not going to grow to be very strong and very fruitful. Others have poor self-esteem. So we are rooted in public opinion. We are very much rooted in what our relatives and our friends will say about us or feel about us. Now, Jesus doesn't want us to be like that. He wants us to be rooted in Him, in the Word, and in love for Him. You know, I have grown up to be an introvert. I'm, introvert means I'm always very quiet, except when I'm on stage. Honestly, I'm quite a quiet man. I know some of you are laughing because you don't believe that, but it's the truth. I'm a peace lover. I don't like confrontation. You know, I, I like low profile, keep under the radar, uh, keep my head down, stay out of trouble. And we started our church in 1989. And when we got started, we always pray for revival. God sent us revival. God used us to be a soul-winning church. And after about a few years, our church grew to be about 800 members. And we began to attract some attention in the community. Well, one day, after Sunday service, one evening actually, I was fellowshipping with some of the staff and at that time, son and I were living at Pastor Reese in a flat. And so we rented a video. It's called A Few Good Men. It's a courtroom thriller. This 
was one of Tom Cruise's earliest movies. And he acts as a Navy lawyer in this movie. A rookie lawyer who never seen the action inside a courtroom. And he was being assigned to defend two Marines who were being accused of murdering a fellow soldier. Now the CO, the commanding officer of this movie, of this camp, is a very arrogant and fierce colonel played by Jack Nicholson. And you know Jack Nicholson, when he wants to play a baddie, he really looks evil. So the two Marines were acting under pressure from the CO and from the orders given in the base. And the climax is the courtroom uh, drama when Tom Cruise caught the colonel for lying. He unnerved him, caught him for lying. Jack Nicholson became furious. He lost his cool. He screamed in the courtroom and the camera zoomed in and he used those famous phrases that people repeated ever since that, that movie. He said, you can't handle the truth. You want to know the truth? You can't handle it. And he was screaming into the camera. When I was watching this with the staff and son by my side, all of a sudden I caught myself sh shaking and I was weeping. And I, I was embarrassed and I didn't know what to do. Son quickly noticed that something was, was wrong and, and quickly asked the staff, leave the room, maybe you guys go home. Pastor need uh, to be by himself. And so the staff quickly went home. Son turned to me and said, Hey, what happened, Kong? Why are you shaking? Why do you look unnerved? And there I was, weeping. And I said, you know, when Jack Nicholson was screaming, I know it's just a movie, and he said, you want to know the truth? You can't handle the truth? I felt as if Satan the devil was screaming right at my face and said, Kong, you want revival? You can't handle revival. You can't handle it. And I said, I think the devil is right. Who am I to ask God for revival? And I was shaking and I was crying. And I knew one thing. I knew that my roots were pretty shallow. And that was my first confrontation in a way with the demonic principality over the region. And I found myself shaking and fearful. Over the next two years, I began to get into the Word of God and do exactly what I've been telling you this morning. Matthew 13, verse 20 became a revelation to me. The Bible says, But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the Word, and that Word is rhema, vision, revelation. He immediately receives it with joy, and yet he has no root in himself. There's no root system in Christ. There's no root system into the Word. There are no root system into the love of God and the love with one another. But he endures only for a while, and when tribulation and persecution arises because of that Word, immediately he stumbles. Friends, I'm here to tell you, God wants to give you big visions and big dreams. But you got to root yourself in who you are in Christ. You got to root yourself 
in what the Bible says about you and your life and your destiny. You got to root yourself deeply in His love so that you know, come what may, through hell or high water, God's love for you will never fail. Then you can weather through all the challenges and the hardships that your vision will bring you. So for the next two years, I started meditating night and day and night and day. I searched out all the Bible scriptures on who I am in Jesus Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We are more than conquerors through Christ. Yeah, that, that no matter what happened or what we have done, that God had made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we can become the righteousness of God in Christ. Oh, come on, go ahead and give the Lord a big hand. Hallelujah. So I began to search out all the verses on who I am in Christ, began to confess it, meditate upon it. I searched out all the Bible promises for me, for our church. Matthew 16, 18, that's when that word became a revelation. That Jesus will build his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So I tell the devil, you know, it's not me handling the revival. It's Christ and me going to handle it and devil you're going to lose every time. So I begin to search out Bible promises. I begin to let my roots run deep into the love of God. That Jesus Christ loves me and that perfect love casts out all fear. Two years, night and day, night and day, I find myself pacing the floor, going through all the Bible promises, confessing the Word, renewing my mind by the Word of God, and things began to change. Found myself not so afraid of confrontation after that. Found myself not so intimidated. Although I still like to keep a low profile and stay under the radar, you know, I mean, I don't pick a fight. But if the devil comes for a full frontal confrontation, he knows I'm not going to run away. You see, now, our root system forms our core values and our spiritual convictions. It forms who we are. You are as good as your roots. If you, are, if you have shallow roots, you are a shallow person. So they form our spiritual conviction and our core values. In other words, our character. They form our character. Abraham Lincoln made a statement that was amazing. He says, character is like a tree and reputation like a shadow. The shadow is what we think of it. The tree is the real thing. So let's not go after shadows. Let's go after the tree. When you have a good character, then no matter what happens, eventually the shadow will catch up. Your reputation will catch up. When we have character, that means deep, extensive root system, no matter how strong the wind will be, you will never be uprooted or get blown away. Especially when our roots run deep into a life-giving source like the rivers of God, like the Holy Spirit, like Jesus Christ, if it runs down deep, like Jeremiah 17 says, right? Then it will be healthy, it will be growing, automatically the tree will be fruitful. Let's give God a big hand. Hallelujah. Amen. 
That's why God loves trees. Number one, because trees have roots. Number two, trees are consistent. Trees are consistent. Look at verse 8. The tree will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green. It will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. So no matter what happens, the tree is not going to run helter-skelter looking for shelter. The tree is going to stay rooted and consistent. Year in, year out, the tree is going to be there. They can change, conditions can, can change, but they will adapt with every season and stay very, very committed where they are. They never lose their conviction. So when we are like trees, rooted, then we are going to be very consistent. Spring, summer, autumn, summer, uh, winter, right? You never change. Year in, year out. Good times, bad times. You're always there. Like the trees, they're always there. Solid and strong. And that is why when Dr. Bernard came, and earlier before him, Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole, they say there are three things that every woman wants of a man. What is it? Decisiveness, consistency, and strength. Every, three things God wants of every believer. Consistency, uh, decisiveness, consistency, and strength. So consistency is the core, it's the fulcrum. It's the center of our character. The more consistent you are, the more decisive you'll be, the stronger you're going to live your life. Consistent people understand one thing. What do they understand? Get ready. They understand the power of boring. <laughs> Let me say that again. I know it's going to shock you. The power of boring. Consistent people are very boring. <laughs> yep. They live a very boring life. They do things again and again and again the same way, again and again. Structured, disciplined. That's why they are consistent. If you don't, if you don't like the power of the boring, you're not going to be consistent. After 56 years, my pastor, Dr. Yonggi Cho, wakes up every morning at 2 o'clock, be in the office by 4.30 to do what? 4.30 to pray and read the Bible. He's been doing this for 56 years. He has a secretary who never got married. 40 years, she worked for him. And she said to Eric, my PA, he said, you know what, Dr. Cho, after 40 years, still have to come to office at 4.30 and all of us got to be there. <laughs> even after his retirement, 4.30, he's there every day, even in winter. He will make his way to the office, 4.30, pray, read the Bible for three hours. Every evening, he'll have dinner with his wife, unless they are away in missions, Every day, he goes and exercises twice a week. I mean, that is his routine to stay healthy, even with Parkinson's. He tries. You say, that's boring. 
But that's how he built the world's largest church in the history of the world. 800,000 congregation members. And you know, I mean, you got to understand the magnitude of that. This is one single church. So many other pastors tried. The second largest church, they reached 200. 250, they fell back. 200, they fell back. This is one church that has been consistently the world's largest church for almost the last 50 years. Consistency. The power of boring. In his book, Great by Choice, you know, Great by Choice, you heard of this book called, uh, by Jim Collins, you heard from Good to Great, right? There's another book, Great by Choice, same guy. He mentions about the race to the South Pole. You know, you have the North Pole and the South Pole. About 100 years ago, about 100 years ago, at the turn of the last century, two teams of adventurers were racing Who's going to reach the South Pole first? Two teams. One team led by an explorer called Roe Amundsen from Norway. A second team by an Englishman called Robert Frost. Uh, Robert Scott. <laughs> Sorry, not Robert Frost. Robert Scott, right? So, Amundsen and Scott. Amundsen believed in consistent progress. So, he chose, to, he chose to travel 15 to 20 miles every day. Good weather, bad weather, 15 to 20 miles, that's it. Even when he was just 45 miles from the South Pole, he could actually make a dash in 24 hours because he, he didn't know whether Robert Scott was going to be around or not. It's a race, right? He chose, yeah, we're going to be consistent. That day, he traveled 15 miles. He said, we'll take two days or three days to reach the South Pole. We're not going to rush it. Just be consistent. Because he didn't want his team to come to a place of exhaustion. He didn't want to push them. So he said, let's go for a consistent pace that we can all sustain. Now, he just wanted to maintain his consistency. Robert Scott, on the other hand, was a man driven by his adrenaline. So, on good days, he pushed all the way to the limits of exhaustion. And on bad days, he sit in his tent and complain. Emerson, when there was strong wind, he still kept on going 15 miles, 15 miles. Robert Scott, bad days, stay in the tent, got upset with the weather. So he was a man that was very much driven by his passion, which can be good if it's not being tamed. So at the end, Emerson's consistent approach won him the race. By the time Scott reached the South Pole, he saw the flag of Norway and he realized he was late by 34 days. 34 days, and on the way back, Scott and his team met with tragic accident because of the wind, hunger, starvation, exhaustion, because he had pushed himself to a point of exhaustion, and the whole team perished. It's a very sad ending. So Jim Collins talked about this, the power of boring consistency. Never to allow yourself to get too over, 
or two under. Just staying consistent and keeping the pace. And he talks about the 10X company. 10X company. You, you have the X-Men, you have the X company, right? Companies, 10X means companies that beat their industry index by 10 times the average. They do 10 times better. Now, that caught my attention because you know why? Daniel was 10 times better than all his contemporary in the Bible. So God wants us to be 10 times better. Right? Everybody say, I'll be 10 times better in Christ. Turn to your neighbor and say, you should be 10 times better than the others. So he spent nine years researching on these companies. Why were they, or why are they better than 10 times the industry standards? And he found a common denominator. All the companies have what Jim Collins called fanatic discipline. Fanatic discipline. The ability to act consistently to their core values, their methods, their standards over long periods of time. Being consistent. Boring consistency. Boring consistency. Reading the Bible. Praying. Going to church. Going to cell group. Reading the Bible. Going to church. Going to cell group. Praying. It's boring. But you do it. Have you heard of the 10,000 rule? Uh, 10,000 hour rule? Right? 10,000 hours, right? Research shows if we put in 10,000 hours of practice on anything, anything, you will become world class. And they found this. It's like a magical number. You're 8,000, you're good. 9,000 hours, you're good. 9,500 hours, you're good. The moment you cross 10,000, you become an expert. They found this. Study after study shows this is true for music, for sports, for art, for even computer programming, for business, for entrepreneurship, for anything. 10,000 hours means you practice four hours a day, five days a week for 10 years. Four hours a day, Monday to Friday, for 10 years. That's how you become an expert at something. You know, if you prepare sermons, four hours a day, five days a week, for 10 years, you can invite it all around the world. Yeah? If you practice four hours a day, three days a week, you'll become very good at something after 16 years. They say in the 1960s, the Beatles were a struggling band of musicians. They couldn't make it. So they played in a little pub at Liverpool, but they played eight hours a day, seven days a week. They didn't take a day break. So the four of them, I mean, John Lennon, Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr, I can't remember the fourth one. George Harrison, right? Four of them, right? Harrison, Lennon, McCartney, Ringo. Star, I mean. Four of them. And they just practice, play in the pub to a few groups of people. The moment they cross 10,000 hours of the three and a half years, immediately they had their first hit. First hit. Right? I mean, 
10,000 hour rule. It's not rocket science. Just do whatever you're doing for 10,000 hours, you'll be world class. Trees are rooted. God loves them. Trees are consistent. God loves them. Number three, trees are resilient. They are resilient. You know, in an ideal situation, the average root system should be three times the size of the canopy. So when you look at those beautiful branches spreading out, the roots that you don't see should be three times bigger. Yet, in a city like Singapore, you have four or five stories high trees, and yet they're surrounded by concrete slabs. Yet you find them in our housing estates. You find them in the city. I mean, they're standing tall because they are resilient. Even when there's a lack than ideal situation, trees are resilient. Somebody once said this, it's amazing how little is needed to thrive when failure is not an option. Let me say that again. It's amazing how little is needed to thrive when failure is not an option to you. And you will thrive. Why does God love trees? Trees are very, very resilient. The General Sherman in Sokoba National Park is the largest tree in the world. The largest. The largest tree. Now, it is not the tallest or the widest. It's the largest by volume. 52,500 cubic feet. The trunk can fit 21,800 people. It's like all our members happen to show up now, we all can fit into this tree. This is how big the tree is by volume. And guess how old it is? They say between 2,300 to 2,700 years old. Somebody say, wow. That means even before Jesus was born, this tree was already around. But in terms of age, there's nothing. Do you know the oldest tree, the oldest known living tree in the world is a pine tree by the name of, guess, Methuselah. The oldest human, 969 years old. But Methuselah, the tree, was older than Methuselah, the man. How old is this tree? And it's still alive. 4,846 years old. That means it was around in the days of Pharaoh and Emperor of China. Pharaoh of Egypt, Emperor of China. The leaves show the longest persistence of any plant. Some leaves had remained green for 45 years. 45 years. You said, ah, the soil must be very fertile. The ground must be very good. On the contrary, the amazing thing is Methuselah lives in a nasty place for a tree. Just patches of soil, very fierce wind, nothing fertile there, but a very resilient tree, if not the most resilient tree in the world, 5,000 years old. 
I mean, wow. Don't complain about our situation or your situation. Let's be a tree. <laughs> yeah, just be a tree. Don't be Caillou, but be a tree. <laughs> God wants us to be the same. Psalms 92 verse 12. You see, I put a new spin to you, Caillou. Next time somebody say, you, Caillou, say, amen, hallelujah. Let it be, oh God, let it be. Psalms 92 and verse 12. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh like Methuselah and flourishing. When we talk about resilience in the kingdom of God, we must surely talk about William Carey, the father of modern missions. William Carey. Everybody say William Carey. Brother Carey lived a very, very hard life. But when you know his story, it will encourage you to be resilient. Here is the father of modern missions, and we are a missions church, so we should know him. He was born 250 years ago in a little village to a very, very poor family. And when he was seven years old, he developed a strange skin disease. It was painful for him to stay out in the sun. So he can never go out. So William Carey, growing up, was always locked in the house. Spent his teenage years indoor working as a cobbler, a shoemaker. So he never had much education. He never even had high school or secondary school education. By the time he was 17 years old, William Carey decided, I'm going to go all out for Jesus. He taught himself Greek. Mind you, he'd never been to secondary school. He taught himself Greek so that he could understand the New Testament better. Now that is commitment. I want to know the New Testament better since it's written in Greek. I'm going to study Greek. Oh, you're not educated. Oh yeah, I forgot about that, but it's okay. <laughs> Later, he started learning Latin, Hebrew, French, and Dutch. When he was 20, William Carey got married. But it was a very bad marriage. They were so poor, he and his wife. And disease struck the whole family again and again and again. I mean, to a secular people, you look at his life, you say, oh, such an unlucky, jinxed man. His first daughter died of high fever. Carey himself got the disease, lost all his hair, he was permanently bald as a young man. Carey wanted to teach the whole world, wanted to reach the whole world with the gospel. He wanted to, to preach to the ends of the earth. But his own church strongly objected to him leaving the congregation to go into the world. His own father called him mad. His wife didn't want to go with him. And when he finally went with his family, he went to India, and the, the whole family almost died in a violent storm at sea. They were almost shipwrecked. Finally, William Carey arrived at Calcutta. It was so tough. He ran out of money. To make matters worse, his denomination back in England decided to disown him. They cut him off 
from all financial support. The whole family had no money. And then they battled with dysentery. Dysentery is inflammation ulcer in your bowels. You have mucus uh, in, in your stool. You, you will die. You have high fever. In those days, it's a terrible, terrible disease. His oldest boy almost died. His wife and sister-in-law were so unhappy, they quarreled with him every single day, shouting at him, you took us all to India to die. For six, six years, Carrie preached and preached. Nobody got saved. And then he got malaria again. His wife got dysentery again. Most devastatingly, his son, Peter, five years old, died of dysentery. So he lost two kids already. His wife never recovered from the trauma of the death of his boy, of their boy. So the wife became mentally insane. They took her to see a doctor. The doctor certified her wholly deranged. The wife became mad. And the wife, in her madness, would follow William Carey when he was preaching sat in the front row and yelled and screamed at him and said, you are a liar. You are not preaching the truth. Don't listen to him. He's having an affair. Can you imagine your own wife doing that? Because the wife was mentally insane. His wife would be staying in the room, screaming at him while he was translating the Bible and let me tell you this, the wife was so violent, she attempted to murder him a few times. Your own wife, trying to kill you. For 12 years, he tried to translate the Bible with a mentally deranged wife in the next room. Eventually, his wife died of high fever. William Carey remarried, and the second wife died too. I mean, look, this is a modern-day joke, right? Yet he never gave up. He never, never, never gave up. William Carey stayed in India for 41 years. In those 41 years, he never took a break or, or furlough. He never went on leave. Although he never had a secondary school education, he mastered languages on his own. Greek, Hebrew, Latin, French, Dutch, Bengali. In fact, he because he was translating the Bible, Bengali was just a local dialect, and in his effort to translate the Bible, he transformed Bengali into a literary language and popularized it. An English man popularizing the Bengali language of India. He translated the whole Bible into six languages, portions to 29 others, all for India. William Carey is forever known in history as the father of modern missions. He came into the kingdom at a time when nobody would dream of going overseas to preach the gospel. 80% of all missions agency in the world today can trace their roots to the teaching or inspiration of William Carey. And he shows us a very, very important truth. God doesn't use perfect people with perfect upbringing, with perfect wealth or perfect health a perfect education, a perfect family life. He simply uses those who are resilient. Resilient. 
Come on, you want to clap? Give the Lord a big clap. Hallelujah. That means those who are absolutely committed to obey Christ and they never, never give up. Resilient. Everybody say, I love with me. Say it. I'm going to be a resilient person. Say it like you really believe it. Say it five times louder. Say, I'm going to be a resilient person. Why does God love trees? Number four, trees are spread out. They are spread out. Hosea 14 verse 6, His branches shall spread, His beauty shall be like an olive tree, and His fragrance like Lebanon. You know why people love to plant trees in their neighborhood, in the town, in the city? Because trees beautify a place. Trees beautify a city. Singapore should know this more than anyone else. We are called the Garden City. Trees give us oxygen, so we breathe better. They clear away the pollution. Trees cools down, or cool down the temperature and the humidity. So the more spread out a tree is, the more beautiful it looks. The more you spread out, reaching out to others with your love, with your acceptance, with your friendship, the more beautiful we look. So God wants us to do that. Let's be spread out one to another as we sit here and as we go to cell group. Let's reach out to God in love, but reach out to one another with our friendship, our acceptance, our love. Number five, trees are fruitful. Verse 8 says, It's leaf will be green, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Trees are fruitful. And Jesus wants us to be fruitful. John 15, verse 16. Why don't we all read this verse together? John 15 and 16. The words of Jesus Christ, starting now. But you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give you. God wants us to be fruitful. Be fruitful and multiply. Pando, the trembling giant, is the most productive tree in the world. The most productive tree in the entire world. You know the word pando in Latin, it means stretch out. Super fruitful. This one tree has over 40,000 stems and weigh 6 million kilograms. Now, can, can we just cut off my screen for a moment? Just cut off my, the CG for a moment. 106 acres. Now look, look, look at this. This is one tree. You see all the, the, the trunks? They are the branches. This is one tree it's like a whole forest. They all share the same roots. 106 acres is 132 times the size of our Jurong West campus. That's how big it is. One tree, one tree, one tree. Then you have the baobab tree, one of the widest trees in the world. It is 30 meters high, 
but the circumference of the trunk is 47 meters. So running one round, the, tr the trunk, if you run two rounds, it's like running a 100-meter dash. It's two rounds. The trunk is it's just amazing. Thick and swollen. It can store as much as 4,500 liters of water to survive the driest desert condition. So you put this tree, it's in Africa. You can go to the driest desert and you find the baobab tree, fruitful. What am I trying to say this morning? God wants us to be trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. Isaiah 61, verses 3 to 4. That they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. And when we become like trees, they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolation. They shall repair the ruined cities and the desolations of many generations. Let me tell you, yes, we may go through challenging times in our lives, in our marriages, in our business, our career, in our cell group, in our church, in our ministry. But you will rebuild. You will repair. You will raise up. And you will impact many, many generations. You see, you're going to reach out to the desolation of many generations. I once met a Malaysian businessman in KL who was a timber tycoon. Timber tycoon. So I asked him, I said, how do, you, how do you become where you are today? I said, do you start off being very rich? Do you come from a rich family? He said, no, 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 pastor. I came from an ordinary Malaysian family. But I found my calling. I love to plant trees. He said, the timber business is the best because a seed is only a few cents. And if I'm able to cast seed into the soil, say, all I need is to have patience for 20 years. He said, every seed will bring forth a tree that will earn me hundreds of dollars. He said, you're not talking about 7%, 12%, 50%. We are talking about 1,000% interest, 10,000% interest. You multiply that by a forest, the return or the returns are immeasurable. So he was telling me this. He said, but the only thing is, you got to be patient. You got to be willing to last the distance. And somebody else said this too. When it comes to trees, there are two decisions you can make. There are two decisions. The best decision is you planted them 20 years ago because right now, you'll be a millionaire. But the next best decision is plant them today. If you have not planted them 20 years ago, plant them today. Don't wait any further. The past is the past. But what must we do today? Five things you'll learn. Number one, grow our character. Let's grow our character today. Let's be rooted in Christ. Let's be rooted in the Bible promises. Let's be rooted in our love for God. Number two, grow our consistency, the power of boring. Make it a point. Yeah? I'm going to pray. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to attend cell group. I'm going to be a consistent person. Whatever vocation God has given to you, in your job, in your skill, in your talent, practice 
and practice and practice and hone your skill. It's not rocket science. Anyone can do it. 10,000 hours. Even your four young lads from an industrial town of Liverpool, you can have your number one hit. Just cross that 10,000 hours. Just do it for 10,000 hours. Just do it for 10,000 hours. Number three, grow our resilience. Grow our resilience. Be committed. Be committed to the call of God and obey Christ and never, never give up. Number four, grow our love. Let's spread out. It's our love, one for another. That's why as a church, we like to sit together. Yeah? So that we, cell groups, we like to sit together. Sometimes I tell the cell group people, I say, don't reserve seats. But no matter what I say, they never listen. But that's okay. That's okay. You're growing your love, and that makes you beautiful. In spite of what our ushers would say. Number five, grow our impact. Let's grow our impact. Let's be fruitful. Just remember the tree, the pando, the trembling giant. One tree is like a forest. 20 years from now, we're going to reap an immeasurable harvest in our lives, in our church, in our ministry, if we decide to grow all those five things today. Come on, everybody say out loud with me. Say, I will grow my character. I will grow my consistency. Say louder, I will grow my resilience. Say, I will grow my love. Say, I will grow my impact. Let's all stand out on our feet this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Why don't we just join hands across the aisles for a moment? Hallelujah. Son, you want to come up to the stage? Hallelujah. Let's join hands across the aisle. Let's hold hands with our neighbors on our left, on our right. Let's begin to pray for each other. We are like a tree today. Our root system are connected. Our branch system is connected. Let's just all begin to pray. Let's keep on praying. Let's just pray. The life of God is flowing through each one of us. We are like a giant tree right now. We are like a giant tree of a church. Just pray, just 20 more seconds. Let's just worship God for a moment, shall we? Grace, glorious grace, grace, glorious grace, and across you call it finish, grace, wonderful grace, grace, wonderful grace, and across
Pastor, for a moment. How many of us, we need to be more rooted in Christ, in the Word, in our love for God? Maybe like Pastor Kong, you know, you are very much rooted in fear, intimidation, in how people feel or think about you. You're rooted, perhaps, for others, in your own talents, your own abilities. You're self-made, and you're proud of that. Listen, don't. Let's get rooted in Christ. Maybe you have trauma of your past. You've been abused. You've been hurt. So your roots wrap around pain and fear. This morning, let's get rooted. And let's get our character be refined. Our core values refined in Jesus Christ. But eyes are closed and hands are bowed. How many of you today, you say, God, I, I want to grow in my character. I want to grow to be more like Jesus. I want to grow in what the Bible promises have said about me, my core values. I'm, I want it to be spiritual. Secondly, how many of you want to grow in your consistency? Sometimes a consistent life can be a boring life. But there's power in that. When you're consistent in your prayer, you're consistent in your Bible reading, you're consistent in your spiritual discipline, you're consistent in your family life, it's going to bring you great rewards and great blessing. And out of that consistency, you build that resilience. You become good at what you're going to do and you have strength never to give up. How many of you want to grow in your resilience and grow in your love? for your family, for your friends, for your church, for your community, one for another. You're going to be beautiful. And Jesus says, they shall know them by their love. Their love one for another. By this, people know that we are Jesus Christ's disciples. If we have love one for another. How many of you today want to grow in your impact? Just imagine one tree, 106 acres. One tree that looks like a forest. God doesn't need a lot. He just needs one man, one woman, one boy, one girl who's willing to say, God, I give you all I am in exchange of all of you. I want to grow my impact. Five areas, character, consistency, resilience, love, and impact. How many of you want to grow even more in one of those areas or more than one of those areas from today? If that's you, just lift up your hands all over this room. Just talk in tongues right now. I want to say this prayer together with me say dear heavenly father dear heavenly father you love trees you love trees help me to be a tree of righteousness help me to be a tree of righteousness the planting of the lord the planting of the lord let my life flourish in your presence let my life flourish in your presence grow my character oh god grow my character oh god grow my consistency Grow my consistency. Give me the grace. Give me the grace. To be fanatical in my discipline. To be fanatical in my discipline. To practice and practice and practice. To practice and practice and practice. Help me be a world-class person. Help me to be a world-class person. 
Help me, O oh God, in my resilience. Help me, O oh God, in my resilience. In my love for one another. In my love for one another. Help me, O oh God, today. Help me, O oh God, today. To grow in my impact. To grow in my impact. For all generations. For all generations. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Will you just hold your neighbor's hands and just pray for one another right now? Let's just pray that this is going to happen. Let it be according to our word, according to what we say, according to our confession. We can do all things in Christ who strengthens us. Lord, we are the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Oh God, that you will be glorified, that you will be glorified. You will be glorified in our lives, in our family, in our ministry, in our church, oh God. the Holy Spirit just prompting me in my heart and I'm just going to ask son to just say a prayer for those of you here today how many of you in this room I just sense the Holy Spirit saying this say, Kong, don't, don't end yet how many of you here today you're going through a tough time and thoughts of giving up thoughts of just walking away thoughts of just throwing in the towel just flooded your mind and your heart God understands life is not easy and that's why you need the Lord you need to draw from that living source you need to let your roots go even deeper cling on to Him anchor on Christ our rock He's not going to let you down He's not going to let you down and even when you feel like letting go of Him He's not going to let go of you but today, how many of you said, Pastor, I just, I just need a little bit more, just a little bit, just an ounce of extra resilience in my life because I feel like giving up. I'm just so tired emotionally, mentally, spiritually. I feel that my tank is running on empty. I'm just a thread away, just holding on to a thin thread. I'm going to pray. We're going to pray today. I'm going to pray for you where you're standing. I'm going to pray that God's grace is sufficient for you. I'm going to pray that there'll be an anointing that will bring you over. There's going to be an anointing that's going to carry you. As we end this year, that's going to bring you to the top. You don't have to give up. I'm just going to ask son to pray. But before that, how many of you, you just need an ounce, an extra ounce, an extra drop of resilience from God to bring you over. If that's you, wherever you are, just lift up your hands all over this room right now. Let's just talk in tongues just a little bit more. Then I'm just going to ask Son to pray. Shudriya 
Father, you see all these hands that are lifted. Father, you are our good Father. This morning, even as we stand in your presence, Jesus, we want to remember that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, you say in Isaiah, Lord, you say that you would never leave us or forsake us. Lord, you will harden, oh God. You will strengthen our heart. You will hold us by your hand, your victorious right hand. So this morning, God, even as we stand in your presence, Jesus, we thank you. Father, we thank you for your love and your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you for your consistency and your resilience towards us. And this morning, we are not standing alone. We reach our hands we hold on to your victorious right hand Jesus we thank you you will bring us over you will bring us through this situation you will bring us through to see the salvation of the Lord you will cause our eyes to see the miracles of the living King Jesus we praise you we thank you we thank you for the breakthrough that will come in Jesus name hallelujah let's give the Lord a big clap hallelujah Give Him praise. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. The breakthrough, the new anointing. Oh, God, your grace is more than sufficient for us. Let's sing it one more time. Are you blessed by this week's podcast? Tell us at connect at chc.org.sg.